What up, what up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. This is episode 155, and in this episode, I speak about the thoughtless murder of George Floyd and the systems in place that facilitated the occurrence. But before we dive in, here's a completely free way that you can help support this show. You know that feeling that you get on a Monday when you're sad because the weekend is over and you have nothing to look forward to except for lunch? Have no fear, the Midday Monday Boost Letter is here. And you might be thinking, what is the Midday Monday Boost Letter? Sounds like a mouthful. And it is, but it's also more than that. I put together this absolutely free newsletter that I email to all my subscribers every Monday at noon to spread a little joy and happiness. If you choose to subscribe, all you have to do is go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and drop in your email address. And what you'll get is five things. You'll get a photo of the week, which who doesn't like looking at dope pictures? You'll also get a podcast of the week. I listen to dozens and dozens of podcasts every single week from a wide variety of shows. And I cherry pick the very best ones and share them with you as my recommendation for that week. Also in the Midday Monday Boost Letter, you will find a video of the week, which could be anything from a cool online recipe that I found to a rap battle to a TED talk or a dope interview. I also share a quote of the week, a little food for thought, as well as a word of the week for my fellow wordsmiths out there. Again, this is all absolutely free, and you can get my newsletter by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address, and you will get the very next one. On May 25th, 2020, the clerk of a local store in Minneapolis dialed 911 because a man allegedly purchased a pack of cigarettes with a counterfeit $20 bill. We now know that man was George Floyd. Two officers arrived at the scene, and George Floyd was in the driver's seat of a Jeep. Another gentleman was in the passenger seat, and a female was in the rear seat behind the passenger seat. The cops came up to the car, asked the passengers to step out and step onto the sidewalk as the other officer continued to speak and question George Floyd. It looked like in the surveillance uh, footage, which I'm speaking to now, that the officer asked George Floyd uh, to step out of the car and proceeded to handcuff him. He then walked George Floyd over to the sidewalk where the other two individuals were, the other two passengers were. Uh, George Floyd sat down on the floor. Then the cop wound up uh, picking George Floyd up. Facial expression-wise, it looked like George Floyd was like, you know, what the fuck? Why are you arresting me? What's going on? Again, this is from surveillance footage, so there's no sound. Another cop car arrives with whom I believe to be Officer Derek Chauvin, which is now infamous, and the pudgy Asian officer, whose name I don't know. When the initial two officers were walking, George Floyd handcuffed to across the street to the other, to their cop car. It looked like George Floyd like fell to the ground before he went into the backseat of the cop car. I don't know if he tripped if he threw himself to the ground, if he was disoriented 
or what? Then you just see them putting him into the, the backseat of the car, kind of like lifting him and putting him into the backseat. That's the end of that surveillance footage. There was a clip that came out online from bystanders recording the incident that looked like it picked up right around the time that the surveillance footage that I just referenced cuts off. And I couldn't see this myself from the footage, but what was said about that footage is that by commenters and bystanders that were there and, you know, possible speculation as well, you know, I can't speak to it for sure because I wasn't there. And again, I couldn't see it myself. But what was said is that the officers were fucking George Floyd up in the backseat. They were hitting him. Why? If that's true, I have no idea. Was he talking shit? Was he being disrespectful? Was he resisting arrest? You know, while handcuffed in the backseat of a police car? Doesn't seem likely. But do emotions run high on both sides in situations like this? Of course. Is that any excuse for an officer who has already apprehended their suspect, quote unquote? Of course not. Then the other now famous, infamous footage picks up where this video of George Floyd being in the backseat leaves off. And it's George Floyd being taken out of the car by officer, former officer Derek Chauvin and George Floyd being laid on the ground face down. Then P.O.S. Derek Chauvin, not P.O. as in police officer. P.O.S. as in piece of shit, Derek Chauvin, knelt on the neck of George Floyd, took a knee on the neck of George Floyd, which is face down in the asphalt of the street, with two hands handcuffed behind his back. He knelt on his neck without stopping for 8 minutes and 46 seconds, rendering George Floyd unconscious and ultimately dead. And he left his knees there his knee there on George Floyd's neck through his crying, through his screaming that he couldn't breathe through his crying for his dead mother, eight minutes and 46 seconds through his loss of consciousness, through his body going limp, eight minutes and 46 seconds. He left his knee on his neck for a full minute after the paramedics who were called arrived. So the paramedics arrive They have the stretcher out, they're standing there, and P.O.S. Derek Chauvin maintains his position with his knee on the neck of the deceased by this point, George Floyd, for a full minute after the paramedics are there. That's what happened in Minneapolis on May 25th, 2020. This heinous act reinvigorated the Black Lives Matter movement, the protests against police brutality. Shout out to Colin Kaepernick, who was protesting this very same thing peacefully by kneeling during the national anthem at NFL football games and subsequently lost his job and was blackballed by the NFL and criticized nonstop for it. And by the way, a United States Marine told him when he was sitting during the national anthem that if he really wanted to protest for a cause, which is what he was doing, protesting peacefully against police brutality, that what he should do is take a knee. A United States Marine told him that because that's what they do. And now over two weeks later, I'm recording this episode on Tuesday, June 9th, 2020. There are daily protests happening across this country 
There are daily protests happening internationally across the world. There are countless murals of George Floyd around the country stretching out to the Berlin Wall in Germany with folks across the globe in solidarity against this type of heinous act, this type of police brutality, this type of power tripping, this type of overreach. There have been protests, riots, and even looting going on. And I think it's important that those three things are not conflated. We shouldn't lose sight of the nuance within those three things. The vast majority of protests happening across the world are rightful, truthful, peaceful protests by folks that are bucking at a system that has failed. There are also folks that are rioting, pissed off individuals that are fed up, that had enough, that have had the same old story of a petty infraction, if an infraction has taken place at all, leading to the death of a person at the hands of a cop. And those people are breaking shit, fucking up private property, and expressing their anger that way. I can't say I agree with them. I agree 100% with the protesters. I can't say I completely agree with the rioters, but I can say that I get it and I understand it. I understand that level of frustration. Then you have the looters, which are just opportunistic people that are using this situation to commit crimes in the form of stealing and looting from stores, clothes, purses, jewelry, watches, different types of merchandise, electronics. And those folks, I definitely don't agree with. From videos that I've seen, seem like young kids doing dumb shit, doing criminal shit. And each and every one of them that happen to get caught, if at all, should pay the proper consequences for their actions. But let's not get it twisted. Because all that shit, property, merchandise, can't be replaced. George Floyd's six-year-old daughter, her daddy's gone forever. Let's get back to the nuance of these protests, though. They are, for the most part, good police, good cops that protect protesters and their right to assemble. And then we see on the other side of the spectrum, the power-tripping cops that violate protesters with excessive force, pepper spraying, baton hitting, And in the instances that I've seen, for people verbally expressing their frustrations, pushing a 75-year-old man to the ground, there was a 75-year-old man that was handing a cop, it seemed like one of their helmets or something like that. In the video, he's like tapping the other cop. He's like, here, 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 or something. Or, you know, maybe he was tapping the cop's chest uh, too aggressively, I I guess. May have been the mindset of, uh, of of the cop, but he pushed the 75-year-old man to the ground who in turn hit his head and started bleeding from his head. People can die that way. And, you know, it's a 75-year-old man, a properly trained police officer. My expectation with my taxpayer dollars that fund police is that a properly trained police officer can subdue a 75-year-old man with his eyes closed and one hand tied behind his back, if need be. And that a properly trained police officer, not just properly trained physically, because I'm going to get into that in a bit, but properly trained mentally, psychologically, emotionally, to be able to navigate in high stress situations. That's my expectation. If not, you shouldn't be a cop. Point blank, period. 
there was another you know there there have been a bunch of videos and here in new york nypd ramming their car through a group of protesters protesters were in that video like hitting one of the cop cars and it was the other cop car that like rammed through them protesters shouldn't be doing that shit either obviously but running them over seems a bit excessive but at least that one they can make that argument of you know scared for their life or or what have you there was another video of a girl that must have weighed 110 pounds soaking wet protesting and there was a, a a group of cops marching down the block down the middle of the street she steps up like closer to where they're marching not in their faces in one of their faces or anything like that but closer to than from the curb closer to where they were walking and some roided up looking cop just fucking flings her across it looks like she like flew back three feet in the air and fell to the ground from him just pushing her what i appreciate seeing and i'm speaking from the perspective of someone that appreciates cops i know several several cops close friends of mine that are cops my best friend that's been on this podcast is a cop his cousin which is a very good friend of mine is a cop that has also been on this podcast that served in the military and i literally know at least personally friends of mine poker buddies half a dozen other cops all of which i respect and admire these that i'm highlighting these aren't them and these aren't all cops these are the piece of shit people that happen to be cops you're gonna have piece of shit people in every facet of life within your family cops doctors any profession bad people exist people that are unfit to do their jobs exist also sprinkled within these protests are bad actors you know people leaving stacks of loose bricks around why why are you doing that what are you inciting what's your purpose what's your goal what is that for people on social media posting videos and footage from old riots and incidences and trying to tie it to this one to like gas the flames you know some people might be doing that naively maybe they think you know they just retweet something they, they really think it is from now i'm sure there's folks doing it maliciously what i like seeing though within this situation and what i gravitate towards and try to steer myself towards are the positives within the protest the police officers marching with protesters the officers that kneel in solidarity with the protesters the officers that are standing up against the bad actors even if they're their colleagues the protesters protesting peacefully the protesters there's a video of a group of protesters there's various videos of groups of protesters protecting establishments where some of the people that are rioting and or looting are trying to break into and a group of protesters setting up a human shield in front of it saying no don't do that that's not what we're doing here the group of protesters that shielded a police officer who for some reason went astray and was by himself and away from the rest of his colleagues and a group of protesters were protecting him from the violent protesters i love seeing that this is one video that's standing out to me right now where there's a group of cops you know holding their position and there's a protester that goes up to them with a, a case of water like one of those like 24 pack of bottled water and he tells them that he's protesting but he's not one of the bad ones 
He appreciates what they're doing. He knows that they must be thirsty standing there. And he puts the case in front of them and says, you know, you guys don't have to take it now. But whenever you want, it's here for you. That's dope to see for me. That human side of people. And two weeks later after the incident, I am happy to see that these protests seem to actually be enacting change. Getting the ball rolling for actual change. Tangible, practical change. And I'll tell you why I say that. Far too often in cases like this, an incident like this happens, it's mainstream news, people tweet about it, post something on IG about it, a few days pass, 24-hour news cycles, take our attention on to the next. It takes weeks, months for something to happen on the justice side of things, for the perpetrator, the officer, the Zimmermans of the world to actually be arrested and have charges brought against them. And more often than not, they don't go to jail. Charges don't stick. A lot of cases, they don't even lose their jobs. But these specific protests sparked by the death, the murder of George Floyd, not only had Derek Chauvin arrested soon after, but had charges, which seemed to be, you know, bullshit charges to me, you know, third degree murder and manslaughter brought against them initially, which if that's where you're starting, then, you know, of course, there's going to be an argument to like drop those charges down, take a plea and, you know, do six months community service or some bullshit like that. And the other three officers that were at the scene, they weren't arrested. But with the pressure of this sustained and continued protest, Derek Chauvin now faces a charge of second degree murder in addition to earlier charges. And th- the three other former Minneapolis police officers who were involved in George Floyd's death let's substitute the word death for murder again, face charges of aiding and abetting murder. And this is according to new court documents publicized by NPR. Articles, any facts, any stats or anything like that that I reference in this episode, as in all my episodes, I will link to in the episode notes. If you guys are interested, take a look. So I'm happy about that. And I truly hope that ultimately justice is actually served. I don't know how I feel about the other three officers yet because they were there they were turning their back to what was going on they were in a position to tell Chauvin yo ease the fuck up what are you doing and they didn't but realistically how how many how often do you guys do that at your jobs I don't know what each listener of this podcast does how often do you tell check somebody at work not on some like work-related shit like yo you're wrong about this it should be like this this and that how often do you check somebody's off-color remarks or speak up in a situation like that it's easy to say from the outside looking in i would have stopped them i would have told them to stop would you have though would i have i don't know i honestly don't i hope so but i couldn't know for sure still the other three are complicit chauvin i hope he never sees the fucking light of day ever again and if he's being charged with second degree murder i'm sure he'll like plea or some shit down to like third degree murder or manslaughter and probably do jail time but i don't think they're handing out life sentences for that type of thing that type of sentence rather but i do think that's what he deserves another what i see as positive my opinion is that police reform seems to be a consensus position now politicians which you know take that with the grain of salt whichever direction public opinion is blowing in politicians will usually err on that side of it 
but play the game. Play the game that they're playing. You really for that politician XYZ? All right. Prove it. Tell me about the bills that you and your staff are working on in relation to this type of situation, in relation to police reform, in relation to extra funding in underprivileged areas. Which bills that are already in circulation in relation to any of these issues are you a co-sponsor of? Which do you agree with? Which do you not agree with? Show me. Tell me. Tell your constituents. Back it up. And if not, vote them out of office. Do not give that politician your vote at the next primary. And I'm not even talking about presidential level. Definitely not talking about presidential level. I'm speaking more to local level, local politics. Politicians you can reach out to and touch. People that affect you much more immediately than your federal government. Your city council here in New York. Your mayor here in New York. Your congressman for your district here in New York. Which is at the federal level but has a local jurisdiction. Your public advocate here in New York. Your assemblyman here in New York. Your state senator here in New York. Your senator here in New York. Become a triple prime voter. Vote in every single primary election. Vote in every single general election. Make that your baseline. Make that your norm. Any policies that are currently in place are legacy policies crafted by your city, state, and federal officials, and any related agencies that have influence over them. It's a long game. It always has been. That's where change happens at that fundamental level. That's the only place it happens at that fundamental level, but it's not going to be immediate. So not getting discouraged is key. Keeping up with the momentum of these protests is key. We can't let the heat from this moment in time fade away without securing a win, a real win, at the ballot boxes. Again, because of these protests, you're already seeing proposals by elected officials, by city officials, of reallocating funding from certain police departments. I've heard of proposals to reduce the funding for the NYPD here in New York, for the LAPD out in LA, the Minneapolis PD out in Minneapolis, obviously. My initial knee-jerk reaction was, I don't know how I feel about that. But then, you know, reading up on it a bit, you know, my initial apprehension was around, you know, not having enough police or services, police department services that are essential. And that's not what they're talking about, at least from what I've read, what I've seen. Just speaking more towards demilitarizing the police, cutting back on headcount a bit, reallocating funding from the police department, not just cutting in as like a, you know, you did bad, so here's your fine type of thing, but reallocating a portion of funding to add that funding to underprivileged areas, youth programs, etc. And honestly, doing it that way, I'm, I'm not mad at it. This is, again, from my perspective, another long game approach, but I envision it bearing fruit. A better educated society has more opportunities. You create less quote-unquote losers, more quote-unquote winners. People at the bottom aren't struggling working two or three odd jobs to make ends meet. Single parents can have their children in a safe after-school center you know, local community environment versus just leaving them home alone where kids will be kids and grow up in this perpetuating cycle of just doing negative bad shit, violence and negative interactions with the police. And it's like this vicious circle that just keeps going and going and going. And a lot of it stems from not being well-educated, 
from the parents that w- went through the cycle and grew up to be adults and having kids of their own and repeating the same cycle to mass incarceration, obviously, that, that plays a role, but it's uh, a little uh, overlaps, obviously, but a little bit separate discussion to, to be had. So more funding in the direction of avoiding that cycle from continuing as it has, I feel will bridge that gap between policing and community, or at least lessen that tension or lower the circumstances that create the interactions that wind up being negative. Like, let me tell you guys about this proposal from New York City Comptroller Scott Stringer here in New York City, obviously, which, by the way, is a public official, an elected public official, the comptroller. He's like the accountant, the main accountant for New York City. And there's also a state comptroller who is, um, I believe it's still uh, Denopoli, who's been like the comptroller forever. I don't think he, he has like term limits. But I say that just to say, if you don't like this proposal that I'm about to read to you guys about Scott Stringer and his proposal to cut the budget of the NYPD to reallocate it to certain services that he proposed to the mayor and the mayor seems to be on board with, as is the city council, which means that it'll probably become law and actually happen, then what you need to do is vote... The next time the Comptroller's seat is up for grabs, vote for one of his opponents whose policies you do agree with. One of his opponents who is a starch advocate against this proposal that might become law. Me, like I just said, for the for the reasons that I said, I'm for it on its surface. Um, I think we have to be cognizant of, you know, reducing funds for cops in communities that do a lot. You know, cops do a lot of different things. They are the first responders to like anything and everything and we have to be cognizant of that but i am okay with this proposal which i'll read to you guys in a second in terms of demilitarizing the cops like i don't think that excess is necessary like there's certain weaponry and machinery like legit army style tanks that cops certain precincts have and beyond riot gear like i get the riot gear and stuff like this and Situations like this, it's obviously clutch. It's necessary. Like the type of riot gear that like COs wear when they're breaking up a riot in a prison. I get that. Of course, have all the state of the art that that you need. But like the beyond riot gear, you look like you're playing a fucking video game and have flamethrower looking guns and shit like that. That over militarization of the police, that I think is excessive and unnecessary. And I liken it to... Our United States military, there's a stat, which I'm going to butcher, but it's something to look it up. It's something to the effect of the U.S. military is the biggest military in the world, obviously. and But it's as big as the next seven countries' militaries combined. It's like, what if we have like the biggest military in the world, but it's like the size of the next five countries combined, and we use that money reallocated somewhere else? Like, would it change things much like we'll, we'll still have like proxy wars going on all around the world and confrontations all around the world but we have that now we'll still have terrorist threats you know we have that now like do you think anybody's really going to pull up to our shores like yo what's good let's pop off on the u.s because their military now is bigger than the next five countries combined around the world no i don't think so a crazier stat than that to me is that the U.S. has the greatest, biggest, whatever metric you want to you want to go by, Air Force in the world, and the second 
biggest, greatest Air Force in the world is the Air Division of the Navy of the U.S. It's like, that's like mind-boggling to me. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. So I would say in a situation like this with demilitarizing certain police departments, you know, obviously assessments have to be done. How often do you use that tank that you guys have in XYZ Warehouse and this equipment and these guns and blah, 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 and cut where you can. But if that money can be reallocating and used within certain communities to better those communities, then to, no, to me, a no-brainer, while still maintaining the police presence that you need. So Comptroller Stringer, which uh, Scott Stringer, I believe he was the borough president of Manhattan, I want to say, or maybe Brooklyn before he was the Comptroller, but he's the Comptroller now of the city, unless, again, you want to vote him out. His proposal is to cut $1.1 billion with a B in NYPD spending over four years. This is about $250 million a year and reinvested in vulnerable communities and vital services. The NYPD's budget is almost $6 billion. In Stringer's uh, proposal, it states that he outlined strategies to shift the responsibilities away from the police department and its armed forces and toward allocating the funds toward social workers, counselors, community-based violence uh, interpreters and interrupters, and other trained professionals which are better equipped to handle calls related to individuals in mental health uh, crises, homelessness, and other non-criminal activities, as many other cities across the nation already do. This is in the hope that uh, we begin to break down structural racism within New York City by instead of just cutting millions of dollars, reinvesting those millions of dollars in underserved communities in the programs that will help uplift them. And what's good about what I like, at least about uh, a position like the Comptroller, is that it's viewed through the lens of accounting. So you have to be you know, precise. You can't just be talking shit like a, usually, like a normal politician to sway public opinion you have to back it up with some numbers, right? So how do you achieve this, this cut? Let me read to you guys a few examples. You cut uniformed overtime by 5%, which for fiscal year 2021 is budgeted at $519.6 million. A 5% reduction is in budgeted overtime for uniformed officers would yield a $26 million annual savings. He proposes to reduce the uniformed headcount to 35,000 officers from what we currently have, which is about 36000 and change. And you reduce it by normal attrition, and you maintain that 35000 officer average, which is the average headcount that New York City has had from 2011 to 2016, which yielded historically low levels of crime. This would equate to an annual savings of $111 million through the fringe savings of that happening. The actual attrition, uh, 3% uh, natural attrition, will be an additional $112 million a year. And lastly, he proposes to trim other than personal services, aka OTPS, by 4%. And, you know, the city founded OTPS budget for fiscal year 2021 is $429 million. A 4% reduction would be a savings of $17 million per year. And all that adds up to close to that 1.1 billion it's 1.06 billion dollars precisely 
that he is proposing the NYPD be cut by over the next four years. And I'll be honest with you, from my perspective, from the outside looking in, I look at these cuts, 4% here, 5% there. Coming from the finance world where a 25, 50, 75% cut of entire departments, 100% cuts in entire departments and outsourcing of, of jobs is the norm. You know, the bottom line is what matters. What makes stockholders in corporations more money is the bottom line above all else. I see a 4 or 5% cut that might yield exponential returns with funds being reinvested in other communities. I don't see that as a bad thing. Siempre y cuando. We're not saying that cops are now going to be walking around with flashlights like mall cops or something like that because they can't afford their nines anymore. I'm just talking about as long as the cuts are coming from overkill areas like that just-in-case tank that they have parked in the back. That fat, I believe, can be cut. And again, this is coming directly from a letter by Scott Stringer, the New York City Comptroller, from his office on his letterhead dated June 4th, 2020, to Mayor Bill de Blasio. If this or a version of this passes the city council and is made law by Mayor Bill de Blasio, which is the direction that this seems to be going. It is in large part because of this letter from the New York City Comptroller. If you're not happy with that or with this type of direction, the mechanism by which you change that is by voting against Scott Stringer during the next Comptroller race. And here in New York, you should be focusing on the primary race when he's going up against other Democrats not the general election, although you should vote in those as well. But New York being a blue state, most likely you're going to get the Democrat beating the Republican. But if you want, there is nuance within the Democratic Party, right? There's going to be a bunch of Democrats vying for his seat during his next election cycle. Pick one that doesn't believe the NYPD budget should be cut and redirected, if that's what you believe. Also, de Blasio is going to be termed out in a year, so... Make sure the next mayor that you vote for is one that didn't agree with the NYPD budget cut and, re- and redirecting. Also, the city council member that has to sign or vote on, rather, this potential piece of legislation. If you're a city council member, look them up who they are. Who is my city council member? Type it into Google. If they voted for this and you're against it, at their next primary election, vote against them. If you're tired of seeing the usual story replaying itself with police officers getting off on crimes and downright murders that are committed, then focus your vote, your energy, your time into voting for elected officials, district attorneys, judges, which are on ballots, that are against qualified immunity. The legal, I guess you can call it loophole, commonly used in defense of certain police officers, that is the the qualified immunity and the fear for their life law or rule, which is that if they can state, I guess, because I, I can't even say prove, it, they could prove that they were in fear for their life, then their actions are validated. But how can you prove that? That's like such a, you can't prove fear. I could be scared of shit right now. You won't know about it. I could tell you I was scared of shit. Was I? Am I? I don't know. 
vote for folks that want to get that the fuck out of here. I want to share some clips with you guys from some folks that I believe deserve to be highlighted during these times. And as always, I will link to the full episodes that these clips are from in the episode notes of the show. The first two are from Hassan Minaj, which is a stand-up comedian and has his own show, Patriot Act, on Netflix. He's formerly of The Daily Show. You might also know him from a correspondence dinner, White House correspondence dinner uh, that he did. And I think certain points that he hits in these couple clips that I'm about to share with you guys are are definitely worth highlighting and, and sharing with you. So the first one is in response to him speaking about his own people, Muslim Americans, and he's angered by, according to what he mentions, you know, certain conversations that are, that happen behind closed doors and within, you know, Muslim families on how they're racist against black people, some of them, and Asian Americans, and he's pissed off that the, the owner of the store that called uh, the police officer on George Floyd, the owner of the actual store was the clerk that, that called, but the owner of the actual store was a Muslim or an Asian American, the cop, one of the cops that were standing by turning his back to what was going on is an Asian American as well. He's expressing some frustration in relation to that. So if you guys could check out the actual video, which again, I'll link to in the episode notes, it would be dope also because in this first part, he references the reasons or what uh, certain individuals were doing before they were killed at the hands of police. You know, folks like George Floyd, Tamir Rice, Eric Garner, and so many others. Check it out. Why can't they just follow the laws? But imagine if you lived in a country where the color of your skin got you killed for driving, jogging, sleeping, yelling, parking, babysitting, sitting in a van, selling CDs, selling cigarettes, opening the door, walking at night, wearing a hoodie at night, holding a toy gun, lying on the ground, being homeless, being in a dark stairwell, holding a cell phone, having a broken taillight, exercising horses, having a bottle of pills, shopping at Walmart, holding a BB gun at Walmart, holding a phone in your own backyard, eating ice cream in your own house, and shopping. You would say that is a lawless country. Who the fuck? is running the show and check out this next clip that uh, i definitely think is worth highlighting america's story didn't start when we got here when you became an american citizen you don't just get to own the country's excellence you have to own its failures that is the deal that's why i can't get this photo out of my head because it's cropped wrong zoom out Who's in this photo? The officer who's blocking people off? He's Hmong American. He's my age, he's 34. The guy who owns the store, did you know this? He's Arab American. His clerk called the cops on Floyd. That is America. A black man was murdered in cold blood and we were on the fucking sidelines watching. I'm not saying we were the ones who killed George Floyd. But we have to be the ones who pull that cop off his neck. We think we're not a part of the story, but we're at the scene of the crime. That's why the full picture matters. This doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens in a system. Fine, Hassan, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to support black America? I did the little 
black Instagram square. I had to tie the tough conversation with my family. Fuck that. This fake woke shit we do on IG dies in a week. We can't just knock out racism. We have to help win this thing on the cards. We have to donate our money in time to black organizations, to all the doctors. Offer free healthcare to protesters, tech people. Help black businesses get online. You work in IT, set up a router. You pass the bar, good, Ami and Abu are proud. Work pro bono for protesters, Pfizer, doesn't need any more billables. Everything helps. Be like Rahul. He let protesters hide from police in his home. You don't even need a degree to do this. You just need a Sharpie. Because we have gotta get our civics, law school nerd shit on right now. Two things, legislating and voting. That changes history and it scales. These are a few things we all gotta get behind. And this applies to everyone. Number one and qualified immunity. It protects cops from lawsuits and holds them to a different set of standards than the rest of us. There's a bill in Congress right now. Make sure it gets traction. Harass your member of Congress. Call the landline. If you can make bots for a Jordan drop, make bots that will call your member of Congress. Next, demilitarize the police. We saw this two months ago. Doctors are waddling around in garbage bags, but now our cops are LARPing like Master Chief and Halo? No. Three, this is very important. Vote out corrupt local officials because this buddy-buddy bullshit between prosecutors, DAs, and the cops is the reason that police officers never serve time. You have to Google when the election is, vote locally, and get new officials into the system. That's on all of us. Number four, this isn't for everyone. This is for Keith Ellison. Keith, I know you are watching. You were the attorney general in Minnesota and you have this case now. Come on, man, how many Muslim fundraisers have you and I gone to where we pray for the community? We gotta make dua. We cannot just make dua. You need to charge and prosecute all four officers as hard as you possibly can. They have got to go to prison. We can't let this moment slip away. Millions of people around the world have taken to the street to afford us this moment. Set the precedent so the next time a cop has his knee on a black man's neck, he will see it for what it is. Murder. This next clip is from Andrew Schultz, which is another stand-up uh, comic and podcaster that has been doing these really dope five to six minute rants on specific topics similar to like think uh new rules with bill maher or like what john oliver does but more raw because he's completely independent super funny and insightful very successful stand-up comedian and podcaster with the flagrant two podcast as well as the brilliant idiots podcast with Charlemagne the god brilliant marketer anyway i'm gonna play two separate clips from him as well but these are from two separate shows here's the first one white people you can't insist on black people integrating into white society and then call the cops on them every time they do from a gym in minneapolis to an apartment building in st louis to a park in new york city it's not enough to be not racist you have to be anti-racist. Lobbying and protesting for criminal justice reform 
does not only benefit black America or white America or Democrat America or Republican America. It benefits the United States of America. Look, I'm not saying we need to agree on every issue. We're an incredibly diverse country, both in culture and in ideas. But there is one issue which we cannot afford to be morally split on, and that's fighting racism and corrupt institutions, especially when innocent Americans are being killed under the knee of authority. There is no two sides to this story. There is no more information to come out. There is right and wrong. The choice is yours. I'm actually going to play three clips from two different shows. So we agree, the peaceful protests are good and the looting is bad. Now let's talk about the gray area in between, rioting. Rioting is not peaceful. It is the intentional destruction of property for the sake of sending a message. And by that definition, it seems wrong. I wouldn't want someone smashing my windows and frankly, I don't wanna see cop cars on fire. And I know what you're thinking. Why can't they just protest peacefully? And the answer is, they did. They protested after Terrence Crutcher was killed, but the cops were still acquitted. They protested after Samuel Du Bois was killed, but the case was dismissed. And if you've never heard of those people, it's because their peaceful protests never reached you. So ask yourself, if you exhausted every option of peaceful protest for decades and the prosecution of police still hasn't changed, what would you do? What options do you have left? How long would you go on being ignored while the people sworn to protect you gun down your neighbors without due process? One year? 10 years, 400 years? You complained about your rights being stripped when Corona kept you in your house for a month. But Andrew, the cops kill white people too and they get away with it. And you're okay with that? Police reform doesn't just benefit black people. But Andrew, what about the peaceful Martin Luther King? Look, you can boycott a racist restaurant. You can boycott a racist bus system. How the fuck do you boycott the police? Try it next time you get pulled over. No thanks officer, boycotting you guys this month. And here's the last clip from Schultz, shout out to Hezzy, which he ends beautifully with a clip of George Floyd's daughter, Gianna, on the shoulders of her uncle in a now famous clip saying that my daddy changed the world. So what happens next? The media will manipulate this. They'll try to divide us, they'll cherry pick the negative footage to make it seem like a race war, and let me be very clear. This is not a race war. This is a war on races. When I'm at these protests, you know what I see? I see every race shouting Black Lives Matter. I see Americans refusing to let justice slip away. I see peaceful protesters stopping the destruction. I see good police working with the citizens they're sworn to protect. I see a diverse group of patriots holding corrupt institutions accountable and making sure that no American is denied their inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. When I'm at these protests, I see an America I'm proud to be a part of. And when I see George Floyd's daughter smiling, saying, my daddy changed the world, I see a girl telling the truth. <laughs> she did what? This next and last clip that I'm going to play is a bit of a longer one. I'm going to play it in its entirety. It's from Killer Mike, which I can always count on to have something powerful and impactful to say. It's sad that this time around, it's under these circumstances, but I definitely think it's important to listen to the gems dropped in this statement, which was given in front of 
a press conference held by the mayor of Atlanta while protests and rioting was going on in Atlanta. This is actually one of the very first clips that I saw in response to the George Floyd murder. And again, I'm going to play it in its entirety. It's about eight minutes long. Check it out. I didn't want to come, and I don't want to be here. I'm the son of an Atlanta City police officer. Uh, my cousin is an Atlanta City police officer, and my other cousin, East Point police officer. And I got a lot of love and respect for police officers, down to the original eight police officers in Atlanta that even after becoming police had to dress in a YMCA because white officers didn't want to get dressed with niggers. And here we are 80 years later. I watched a white officer assassinate a black man. And I know that tore your heart out. And I know it's crippling. And I have nothing positive to say in this moment because I don't want to be here. But I'm responsible to be here because it wasn't just Dr. King and people dressed nicely who marched and protested to progress this city and so many other cities. It was people like my grandmother, people like my aunts and uncles who were members of SCLC and NAACP, and in particular, Reverend James Orange, Mrs. Alice Johnson, and Reverend Love, who we just lost last year. So I'm duty-bound to be here to simply say that it is your duty not to burn your own house down for anger with an enemy. It is your duty to fortify your own house so that you may be a house of refuge in times of organization. And now is the time to plot, plan, strategize, organize, and mobilize. It is time to beat up prosecutors you don't like at the voting booth. It is time to hold mayoral offices accountable, chiefs and deputy chiefs. Atlanta is not perfect, but we're a lot better than we ever were, and we're a lot better than cities are. I'm mad as hell. I woke up wanting to see the world burn down yesterday because I'm tired of seeing black men die. He casually put his knee on a human being's neck for nine minutes as he died like a zebra in the clutch of a lion's jaw. And we watch it like murder porn over and over again. So that's why children are burning to the ground. They don't know what else to do. And it is the responsibility of us to make this better right now. We don't want to see one officer charged. We want to see four officers prosecuted and sentenced. We don't want to see targets burning. We want to see the system that sets up for systemic racism burnt to the ground. And as I sit here in Georgia, home of Stevens, Georgia, former vice president of the Confederacy, white man said that law Fundamental law stated that whites were naturally the superior race and the Confederacy was built on a cornerstone. It's called a cornerstone speech. Look it up. The cornerstone speech that blacks would always be subordinate. That officer believed that speech. 
because he killed that man like an animal. In this city, officers have done horrendous things and they have been prosecuted. This city's cut different. In this city, you can find over 50 restaurants owned by black women. I didn't say minority and I didn't say women of color. So after you burn down your own home, what do you have left but char and ash? CNN, Ted did a great thing. I love CNN, I love Cartoon Network, but I'd like to say to CNN right now, karma's a mother. Stop feeding fear and anger every day. Stop making people feel so fearful, give them hope. I'm glad they only took down a sign and defaced a building and they're not killing human beings like that policeman did. I'm glad that they only destroyed some brick and mortar and they didn't rip a father from a son. They didn't rip a, fa a son from a mother like the policeman did. When a man yells for his mother in duress and pain and she's dead, he is essentially yelling, please, God, don't let it happen to me. And we watch that. So my question for us on the other side of this camera is after it burns, Will we be left with charred or will we rise like a phoenix out of the ashes that Atlanta has always done? Will we use this as a moment to say that we will not do what other cities have done and in fact we will get better than we've been? We got good enough to destroy cash bonds. You don't have to worry about going to jail for some petty. We got smart enough to decriminalize marijuana. How smart are we going to be in the next 15 or 20 years to keep us ahead of this curve? So that much like when South Africa suffered apartheid, you had Andy and other politicians that could make sure that Atlanta said, Coca-Cola, we love you. But if you don't pull out of South Africa, we're going to leave. We're not going to drink Coca-Cola anymore. Coca-Cola jumped on their side and apartheid ended. So we have an opportunity now because I'm mad. I don't have any good advice. But what I can tell you is that if you sit in your homes tonight, instead of burning your home to the ground, you will have time to properly plot, plan, strategize, and organize and mobilize in an effective way. And two of the most effective ways is first taking your butt to the computer and making sure you fill out your senses so that people know who you are and where you are. The next thing is making sure you exercise your political bully power and going to local elections and beating up the politicians that you don't like. You got a prosecutor sent your partner to jail and you know it was bullshit, put a new prosecutor in there. Now's your election to do it. You want a different senator that's more progressive that promotes marijuana through? Now is the time to do that. But it is not time to burn down your own home. I love and I respect you. I hate I don't have more to say. I hate I can't fix it in a snap. I hate Atlanta's not perfect for as good as we are. But we have to be better than this moment. We have to be better than burning down our own homes. Because if we lose Atlanta, what else we got? We lose an ability to plot, to plan, to strategize, to organize, and to properly mobilize. I want you to go home. I want you to talk to 10 of your friends. I want you guys to come up with real solutions. I would like for the Atlanta City Police Department to bring back the Community Review Board, one that Alice Johnson was formerly under, under Chief Turner. We need a review board before an officer does some stupid shit. We need to get ahead of it. That's my recommendation to my mayor and my chief. Let's get a review board, let's get ahead of it, and let's give them power. We don't need an officer that makes a mistake once, twice, three times, and finally he kills a boy on national TV, and the next thing you know, the country is burning down. We don't need a dumbass president repeating what segregationists said. When you start looting, we start shooting. 
But the problem is some officers black and some people gonna shoot back. And that's not good for our community either. I love and respect you all. I hope that we find a way out of it because I don't have the answers, but I do know. We must plot, we must plan, we must strategize, organize, and mobilize. Thank you for allowing me some time to speak. How impactful is that, man? That point that he made there at the end uh, in reference to Trump is related to a tweet that our Twitter-in-chief president put out, which was the rhetoric of a racist Southern police chief from the South, which was when they start looting, we start shooting. You know what else Trumpito said about uh, the gentleman that I that referenced earlier, the 75-year-old that one of the cops pushed to the ground and, and his head started bleeding? He said that that man fell harder than he was pushed. He tweeted this, insinuating that, you know, he was faking or, you know, flopping the fall. That's our president. That's who's at the helm right now. And his election is coming up in November. Keep that in mind. Now, a couple last things I want to say in terms of training for police, which are ideas that I think could be helpful. One idea is better physical training. I've said before, I've thought before, and I've heard this idea as well, so it's definitely not an original thought, that uh, police officers should have a certain threshold of, in order to be able to to become a police officer, you should have a certain level of physical training. And I'm speaking specific to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, for example, which is a, a grappling martial art. And it's a martial art that is largely about leverage, and when applied properly, can have a smaller, more quote-unquote defenseless person think, you know, a thin small man or or female uh, police officer that is confronted with an aggressive or violent uh, suspect that is bigger than them. When applied properly, the smaller person can definitely subdue the larger person with jujitsu. Obviously, it's not... A panacea that doesn't mean it's going to work 100% of the time, but setting a certain bar, setting a certain threshold of that type of training, I, I think would help so much. Cops would be in better shape. You can incentivize it, like by you know you get to this rank once you once you get your blue belt in jujitsu, you were able to apply for you know the sergeant position or whatever you know whatever the ranking system is within the police departments. Chokeholds, for example, they're you know. In Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, the uh, rear neck and choke, you're trained to put someone to sleep versus killing them. I think something like that is is a smarter approach than just doing away with chokeholds and saying that they're they're illegal. Although with the current system that we have now, I see why that's the approach. But if we had an approach of tr- you know trained people that knew what they were doing, uh, a lot of these stories would be would the ending of these stories would be a lot different. I believe. And you have strict penalties with folks that, for example, if you are a purple belt, you can use a rear naked choke on someone to subdue them and put them to sleep. And God forbid if something does go wrong and they do happen to die, then you had the proper certification to attempt that. So it's not the same as, let's say, a blue belt or a white belt police officer attempting it. If they attempt it and somebody dies, then they are penalized for and charged with murder because they weren't supposed to try, you know, they weren't certified to apply that tactic. Uh, former Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang had a similar proposal. 
he stated that uh, police officers should have a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I know that's a like a high-ranking belt, or you know, it takes time, uh, a lot of time to get there. I think you know, blue belt would be a better threshold, definitely better than what we have now, which is nothing. And you know, cops will be a lot more trained, and again, you know, incentivize it. The higher your belt rank, the higher you know. Black belts can be captains. If you're not a black belt, then you can't be a captain or some something like that. Uh, another proposal that I, that I heard that that sounded interesting from Andrew Yang actually was in, incentivizing uh, financially departments that have low incident rates in relation to you know complaints and police brutality cases against them, etc. And what else? I actually just found that I completely forgot about in December of 2018. I I created the, it was after, I forget which incident prompted prompted me to do this, but it was another police community interaction gone wrong that prompted me to do this in December of 2018, which was I put together a YouTube video, I recorded a podcast, and I created a pamphlet and step-by-step procedures on how to implement this idea within your own communities. And the pamphlet is like all the rights and wrongs of like what to do when you get pulled over by a police officer. And it's like a pamphlet brochure that's editable with your local precinct name and, or it's a word doc trifold pamphlet that you can update with the, your local precinct name or local elected officials office. So you could direct it to them, then a step-by-step procedure on how to locate your police precinct's phone number, your local police precinct's phone number and address, as well as uh, certain elected officials in your area as well. And if you guys are interested in that, you could check it out at sponsorate.com forward slash other stuff, and then forward slash community outreach. You'll see it there. You can download uh, both things there. And the idea is to raise community awareness specific to interactions with the police something like that would be helpful i myself tried sending it to both the mayor's office my city council representatives congress etc i personally never got anything concrete back but i like to think that it planted seeds of reform if anybody even saw it in relation to community and police interactions And the last thing I want to close this episode off with, folks, is a free writing post that I wrote on May 31st, 2020, posted to my site on June 4th, but it was prompted by all of this. And it's what I'm going to leave you off with. If you want to check it out, I'll link to it in the episode notes, or you can go to sponsorate.com forward slash free writing forward slash a disappointing time. It's a disappointing time on so many levels from so many angles POV after POV after POV tainted with a tinge of distrust where we no longer expect the next man or woman to do what's right by default where winning an arbitrary tug of war means more than lives means more than liberty more than duty more than decency and respect this isn't the world our parents handed over to us And it's not the one we'll pass on to our children. We're letting societal cancers consume us. We're better and more resilient. But we're not acting in that way. We're at our worst right now. Let's level up. 
want women. Come on. It's the Myself. These motherfuckers can't touch me, plus I know my rights And I'm looking out for his, I got a right to stand on this block This is where I live, I'm staying right here Folks start crowding around Niggas at the liquor store, seen it all go down They say police been on the creek all this week Doing sweeps, grabbing anybody, standing on the streets And we outnumber these motherfuckers a hundred to one They think they can't get it cause they got a badge and a gun But then, little man moms came downstairs She was screaming on them crazy when she seen her son in tears We've been going through the same bullshit for years Living in fear, you have no fucking idea What it's like to be the prey all day, every day Don't want minds to have to grow up and catch it the same way So I stayed till the homie got released on the spot It felt good to see the hood push police off the block Cause the Hey folks, Tony here, and I hope you're enjoying the show as much as I enjoy putting it together for you. If you'd like to support, I'd really appreciate it, and we'll give you a one-stop shop of sorts on how to do so. If you can make your way over to spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll find a bunch of different ways where you can do just that. There you'll find an Amazon banner similar to the other banners found throughout my website that you can click on and will take you to Amazon where you can do your shopping like you normally do. This will not cost you anything extra and Amazon will pay me a percentage just for driving traffic to their website. It's a great way to help support the show financially without actually having to come out of pocket. At sponsorday.com forward slash support, you'll also find links to my Patreon and Kofi pages. Patreon and Kofi are two similar websites where you can set up reoccurring donations for the show. If you want to donate a dollar per month, a dollar per episode, a hundred dollars per episode, whatever you like, you can check out either one of those two services there. There's actually also a Patreon video that's kind of like a little tutorial explanation video of how Patreon actually works. Also at spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll find a direct donation button where you, you can donate by way of PayPal. You'll find a link to Apple Music, which works similar to the Amazon banner. You can click on it. It'll take you to Apple's website where you can do your purchasing like you normally do. And again, it does not cost you anything extra, but I will get paid a percentage just for driving traffic to their website. And you'll also find links to the Spun Today viral style store. This is where you can get Spun Today related merch. And you'll find things like these cool premium t-shirts that have uh, writing related things on them that I put together myself. 
I'm definitely not a clothing designer by any stretch of the imagination, but I put together things that I wanted to see and, and uh, wear myself. A couple of my favorites are the one that says, writing is life. And another one that says, write need every day. And it has like a puff of smoke looking design right behind uh, those words. You'll also find a sponsored a coffee mug and a really cool color changing mug that's related to my debut novel, Fractal. It's completely black. And when it gets hot, when you put in coffee or tea, it starts changing to white and it also exposes the cover art for my novel, Fractal. It's pretty dope. So definitely check all that stuff out, which again, you can find by going to sponsorday.com forward slash support. And of course, do not forget to follow me on all of your social media at Sponsorday on Twitter, at Sponsorday on Instagram. Subscribe to the Sponsorday YouTube channel where you can find clips and excerpts from the podcast along with other cool content. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash spun today. Also, don't forget to check out all the free shit that I have on my website as well. Go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing. And there you're going to find dozens and dozens and dozens of free writing pieces that you can check out for motivation and inspiration and just some general food for thought. You can check out some of my photography at spuntoday.com forward slash photography feel free to take any of those pictures and use them as you wish i set it up so that you can like copy and download the photos and my short stories are available at spuntoday.com forward slash short stories and last but certainly not least my pride and joy corner spuntoday.com forward slash books here you will find my published books which you find folks can find links to purchase them on Amazon, whether you want hard copies or digital uh, Kindle copies, that's the spot for you. Thank you very much for being a Spun Today listener. And as always, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening.